All right, so the Stanley Cup is uh, finally upon us here. The Stanley Cup final. The Rangers are back in it for the first time in 20 years since they won it in the 93-94 season with their Game 7 win over the Canucks at Madison Square Garden. And while they'll open this series on the road in L.A., they'll be back at MSG next week for the first Cup final game. Um, you know, since Bettman handed it over to Messier in 94. And, uh, you know, the Rangers have their work cut out for them playing the Western Conference champion Kings, who uh, sent home the defending champion Blackhawks a year after the Blackhawks sent the Kings home as defending champions. And uh, as I think about it, maybe the Rangers won't have their work cut out for them as much as people think, because through these playoffs, uh, I've done a podcast before every series with Kevin DeLore of the New York Rangers blog, nyrangersblog.com, and uh, we've previewed every series, and so far through them, they're 3-0, and so maybe we're sort of the good luck charm. And Kevin joins me again here today to talk Rangers hockey, uh, our, our last series preview of the season with the Stanley Cup final set to go. Kevin, how's it going today? Good, man, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like, uh, like a dream. Uh, you know, it, it's unbelievable to hear you say, Rangers and Stanley Cup Finals. Um, as you mentioned, we are the official good luck charm <laughs> of the 2014 New York Rangers playoff run. And, uh, you know, we definitely deserve to have our names etched on the Stanley Cup along with all the players for our major contributions if, if they are able to, you know, come through with, with four wins against the Kings. <laughs> So uh, I'm beyond excited and uh, at the point of almost flabbergasted at, at where we are. Well, it does feel like a dream because when you look back at uh, at this, not only this Rangers season, but the Rangers seasons of uh, at least recent time, at least post-lockout and maybe not going all the way back 20 years, but I was only seven years old and in that summer, the June of 94, when the Rangers won it, so my memories aren't as vivid as those of an older generation and people that really watched the game and remember that playoff run and people who were at the games and, and really remember the experience of uh, that team winning a Stanley Cup. Um, so, you know, it sort of felt like maybe they'd never get to that point again. At least it did over the last few years, and, and whether we talked about it this year in email exchanges or uh, as many podcasts as we've done, about this team throughout the season and whether they were uh, whether or not they were just a first or second round bus team the way they've been um, you know it sort of changed for them um, come the end of the season when they went on their run and then especially in the playoffs uh, and it just seemed like they were always going to need one big thing to go their way and they finally got that big thing in the Penguin series when they were able to come back down three games to one and win it and then comes uh, the Canadian series where I thought the Rangers would win it in seven only because they always seem to win series in seven um, they made it easier winning it in six, but it feels like it could have been easy, even easier than six, and it, and it feels like maybe they should have put them away even faster than they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I before the series when we had the last podcast, you know, I, I said Rangers in five. I mean, I liked where they were after that Penguin series. I mean, they were clicking on all cylinders. You know, they had the offense going. Lundqvist was on top of his game, so... Yeah, I mean, and that was, I picked them in five before the, you know, the price injury, um, before the series even started. So, um, I just, again, love the depth of this team. The last couple of days, we keep hearing about how deep, you know, the Kings are. Um, but they're sort of, you know, disrespecting the Rangers and, in, in, in not looking at, at how good this team really is, how they can roll four lines, all 12 forwards. Elaine Mignot has, has confidence in every guy he puts out there. I mean, you look at the 2012 run, I mean, Tortorella was using, you know, nine forwards, um, and, and this team was absolutely gassed by the time they got to the Devils. That's just not the case 
um, this time around. You have, you know, big goals coming from guys like Dominic Moore, uh, Dan Carcillo. Um, so, you know, it's throughout the entire lineup. So if you're a Ranger fan, I'm sorry, you have to be real excited about this team. And, and, and again, just the, and I mentioned the disrespect um, that you're seeing throughout the media towards the Rangers. I mean, you know, you're barely even seeing these guys throwing the Rangers a bone here. I mean, you know, five game, Kings and five, Kings sweep. Um, you know, this is a good Rangers. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist is a goalie. I mean, you have to assume he, he has the ability to steal at least one game. And you know what? This Rangers team doesn't need him. And that's the big thing. Like, well, Lundqvist may steal a game. You know, they don't need him to steal games anymore. I mean, they have enough firepower um, to win. I mean, the speed that they have, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this series. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think people are underestimating the fact that, you know, the Rangers are a different team than they were all season, and I think you really have to just look at them sort of as a team they became after the Marty St. Louis trade, because they are a much different team now than they were when they had Callahan. They have a different look. They play a different style. Um, granted, they still can play their, you know, defensive-minded, blue-collar, shot-blocking style, but they've sort of finessed it up, and, they, and they've gotten more scoring. They've gotten secondary scoring to the point where Nash and St. Louis aren't relied upon the the way they used to be. Uh, I mean, you look at Game 7, you know, they win that game on a Dominic Moore goal and great play by a fourth line, and I, I saw you tweeted during that game that, you know, in this league at this point, it takes all four lines to be a, to be a Stanley Cup champion team, and the Blackhawks had it, the Kings had it with their depth, the Bruins certainly had it, and, you know, for the Bruins, that might have been their best line overall in, the, in their final against the Canucks uh, 2010-11, and uh, it, it's really just been a depth factor for the Rangers, and that's something we haven't seen in recent years. Yeah, and, and even beyond the forwards, it goes to the defensemen as well. I mean, uh, Elaine Vigneault, you know, gives plenty of ice time to the to the bottom two guys and, and Kevin Klein and, and John Moore, Raphael Diaz, who's going to have to step in here with the with the Moore suspension. And, you know, if you look at the last series, Kevin Klein may have been, you know, one of the Rangers' best defensemen in that series. I mean, that trade, I mean, just, just to go back a bit was – has been just uh, a huge boon for, for the Rangers to not only get rid of a defensive liability, Michael Delzato, but to bring in a stabilizing force like Kevin Klein has been tremendous. I mean, the defense that really came together after that trade, and, and uh, he really had a big impact in, in the Montreal series. And, and he's actually brought a little more offense um, to the table than I actually anticipated. He jumped into the play a lot. Um, last series. So, yeah, I mean, the depth is not only on, um, you know, the front end, uh, the back, the blue line is is very deep as well, where you can bring in Rafael Diaz. Again, another great depth uh, trade by Sather at the the, uh, trade deadline um, to come in there, and the Rangers didn't lose a thing when he had to step in there in, in in a game seven um, for the Rangers with, with, you know, the season on the line. So, uh, again, uh, very underrated, the, the Rangers' depth right now going on within the media. I don't think it's underrated from Rangers fans. We know what we have um, throughout that lineup. So um, the, just being able to um, bring guys in, in and out of the lineup, you know, even, you know, a J.T. Miller who was, who got injured um, but is now seemingly ready to go in the series. Dan Carcillo got his suspension. 
uh, rescinded a bit where it's only six games instead of ten. So, you know, even if somebody goes down with an injury, you have these guys waiting in the wing and, and, and coming in and, and contributing um, in every round so far. So I, I'm real confident going in right now. Well, you mentioned the media and how you know everyone seems to be putting uh, the Rangers away before the series starts, and they've done that all along. So it doesn't really you know change things now. And, and I think the Rangers are better off that way. I think they're a team that needs to not have expectations. I think when there are expectations, they don't seem to meet them. So it's better that they come into the series as the underdog. It's better that they uh, can sort of maybe fly under the radar here in these first two games and look to split uh, while they're in LA at the Staples Center. But everyone's talked about how great the West is, and you know how how it's the you know the better of the two conferences at this point in the NHL and you know I guess so when you look at the point totals and and you know what some of those teams did out there but at the same time I mean you look at the Rangers in the regular season and granted it's the regular season not the playoffs but you know they went to LA early on in the season had a good game against the Kings even though both teams are much different than they are now and the Rangers you know won both their games against the Blackhawks this year won in Chicago uh, you know right at the beginning of January which is hard to do as it is and then came back and and held them off after the uh, after the Olympic break and uh, to me the, the Bruins were the best team in the NHL this entire season. They lost to a Canadiens team that the Rangers, you know, sort of had their way with to a point that, you know, a six-game, you know, series, it sort of felt like it was even easier than that. Um, I, you know, I, I do think the Western Conference probably gets the slight edge, but I don't think it's as drastic as people are making it out to be. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that the re- and I don't think that the Rangers come in here afraid of this Kings team at all. I mean, it's not like. Again, we could just go back to 2012 where they faced the Bruins. I'm sorry, last year um, when they faced the Bruins, you're like, oh man, the Bruins, and uh, you know they're tougher than we are, and that type of thing. I I think the Rangers come into this round thinking they have, you know, just as good a chance, uh, you know, as anybody else would have. And uh, you know, the Kings, listen, they're they're a good team, but you know, there there are some flaws in there. I mean, I think that uh, the Rangers' speed can. you know, exploit some of their defensemen. I, I don't think that they have, you know, once you get past, uh, you know, Dowdy, I think you could take advantage of, of guys like Willie Mitchell and Green and, and uh, you know, exploit some matchups there from, from uh, you know, Vigneault and, and how he decides to, to play his, you know, his lines. I mean, you know, I, I think the Kings are going to be surprised by how fast the line of Broussard, Pouillard, and Zuccarello are. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, I know Ranger fans are probably confident and the team, I mean, you're just reading, you know, the quotes from the teams. You could, you could tell that they, they, they want to prove the hockey world wrong. They're reading the quotes out, you know, they're reading the stories out there that, that they're not getting a chance. It's sort of like the redheaded stepchild of the series. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable. And, and Elaine Vigneault does just a, an amazing job of sort of exploiting, you know, these adversities that have popped up throughout, you know, the season and the playoffs. I mean, you know, you've dealt with trading away a captain. Um, you've dealt with, you know, the death of, of St. Louis' mother and, and, and the way he used that to sort of rally the team, you know, around, you know, one player and, you know, to get past a 3-1 deficit. I think Vigneault has done a masterful job of, of, of taking these, you know, tough situations and, and turning it into a positive for the team. So, you know, I'm sure that he is letting the players know that, uh, you know, no one is giving them a chance in this series as, as motivation and 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 I, I think that 
being disrespected is a, a huge motivating factor in sports. And, and uh, when you go out, not that I don't think that they would be going out there trying to win, but, you know, when you have that in you, when you feel as though, you know, uh, uh, no one thinks you can get it done, it, it gives you a little bit extra when, when you're out there. You dig down deeper to prove everybody wrong. So I think that that little extra motivation is, is, is going to be a key to the series. Well, everyone keeps talking about how it's going to be uh, sort of a, the Rangers' speed against the Kings' defense. And, and you know, I guess I agree with that. But when I look at these teams, they're sort of built in the same way, you know, from from the goaltender out and the two premier to the best, maybe the two best goalies in the world, um, and then and the two strong de- defenses. And then um, offenses that, you know, both can go into weird offensive funks and, and scoring slumps. And uh, like we saw earlier in the season, you know, the Kings can, can be just as bad as the Rangers at times when it comes to trying to put the puck in the net. So, you know, I feel like they might be a slightly better team than the Rangers overall, but they sort of are built the same. Uh, The only difference is that they've played very different games in the playoffs, and, you know, they've only had to play one more game than the Rangers going to three game sevens, but you look at this series against the Blackhawks, and, you know, everyone's calling it a classic series and how great it was, and, you know, it was fun and entertaining to watch, but, I mean, these games were barn burners with, you know, four or five goals being scored in, in, in single periods uh when you know that's that'll be enough for maybe two rangers games i mean we're used to seeing one nothing two to one games and you know what type of game do you see playing out i mean i I think maybe maybe they're going to come down to earth a little bit and start to play more rangers hockey two to one you know one nothing three to one it seems like final games always seem to be closer um you know than than conference finals or even earlier rounds but i just don't think the kings can sustain that kind of offense especially now that they're going to be facing lundquist and not Corey crawford yeah, I, I really think that game one, and and I know this is, seems uh, pretty obvious to say, but <laughs> game one is going to be huge for the Rangers because I do think the Kings probably come in to game one with a bit of a letdown after the huge win, similar to the Canadians. I thought the Canadians had a big letdown in game one after you know the big series went against you know their their rival Bruins. I think that the Kings have a bit of a letdown. They they look pretty tired in that game seven. I thought. Um, so I, I, the Rangers need to absolutely jump on the Kings in Game One, and, and it's especially important because the way the the schedule of the series sets up, you know, they're only playing like they have so many days off. I think it's like two games in like nine days or whatever it is. You know, it, it's sort of ridiculous the way the first two games are are set up. So there's a lot of rest for the Kings there to sort of get over, you know, a, a three seven game series. So. You know, by the time Game 2 rolls around, I think that they'll be sort of re-energized, which is why I think Game 1 is sort of there for the taking for the Rangers. Um, as far as, you know, the way they'll play offense, I mean, they're a big-time puck possession team. I think they were either one or two in the league this year in puck possession. So that that's going to be key, whereas the Rangers are going to need to to step it up on the face in the face-off circle. I mean, Kopitar is, you know, on another planet as far as, you know, his face-off um, winning percentage. And, you know, the Rangers over the years have always had problems, you know, in the face-off circle. Yeah, Brian Boyle is very good, but, you know, Derek Stepan usually has his struggles. Brad Richards isn't always um, dominant um, in the face-off circle. So, you know, if the Kings are able to really take advantage of the face-off um, uh, I think the Rangers are going to struggle in this series. They're going to have to win a lot of those big 
defensive face-offs. Obviously, once they go on the power play, which is obviously hit or miss, you never know what you're getting with the Rangers power play. They rubbed it down. Um, so if they can win those face-offs, gain possession right away on the power play, it's going to be huge. So I think face-offs is actually being a really key part of this series because um, the Kings are such a puck possession team. It's a real key to their offense. So if the Rangers can step up their play um, in the face-off circle, I think it's going to benefit them uh, a lot immensely. Well, uh, quickly with some of the guys here, I mean, you look at Carcillo and the suspension, and I think, uh, you know, I didn't think he deserved to to get suspended for the 10, the 10 games that he did. I mean, I understand if you touch an official, something's going to happen. Um, being at that game, it was a devastating blow to see him get kicked out because, you know, I had wanted him in the lineup. He finally gets in the lineup. It looks like he has a chance to do something um, and then do something big after the ridiculous press hit um, on Stepan, and, and then he gets kicked out for, you know, interfering with the official and, you know, elbowing, whatever happened. But it gets reduced to six games, and uh, he has a chance to come back if this thing goes to game four. But, you know, or obviously it's going to go to game four, but if it goes on farther than that, he'll, he might have a chance to get in the lineup. But it just seems at this point, unless there's an injury, they might just keep him out the rest of the way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I unless there is an injury or they go down o two or it's one two in that series, and um, Vigneault is looking for a spark, he he may turn to Carcillo, uh, who's obviously come through with some big goals in in the postseason, some big plays. Um, he knows the Kings. He was with the team. Obviously, he knows maybe a couple of guys had a rattle. Um, you know what yeah, what strengths and, and weaknesses a couple of guys on the teams have. So yeah, he actually could could be a key factor once you know he's eligible to play. I think he'll be big anyway. You know, off the ice as well. You know, obviously the Kings are much different from when he was there and when he got treated in December. But you know, he still you know hung around the guys and knew a lot about the guys. It's sort of like. When Sean Avery was with the team, he sort of had like a book on everybody and knew what to say uh, to get the, his opponent off the game. I think Carcillo is is obviously that same type of player where where he can maybe tell a guy like Dorsett in the first couple games, all right, you know, Kopitar, you know, I've seen him get a little uh, off his game when someone says this or if you know you say this to uh, you know Richards, maybe you'll you'll knock him off a little bit. And um, yeah, I mean, I I think that you know. On Twitter, I know it goes around. You get the hashtag Carcillo effect. I really think it's sort of there, and I think he's been, you know, since he came on board. I mean, the Rangers have really been, you know, a different team. I don't want to sort of overstate what what he's done, but he, you know, when the Rangers needed it, they brought him in, and he's brought a lot of sort of grit, um, toughness that they didn't have. It, it solidified that fourth line. And they were sort of on their way. Now, Dorsett has obviously replaced him, um, you know, on that fourth line and, and has done a tremendous job to keep that line going. But, you know, Carcello definitely deserves, a, you know, a lot of praise for what he's brought to the team. Unexpectedly, I think most people saw him coming. And, listen, I, I remember, and I'm sure you do too, and everyone else remembers his days in Philadelphia where he was just a complete you know, jerk off and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, punching Marion Gabrick in the face and, 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 and whatnot. So, um, you know, that, you know, people joked around today about it. You know, maybe we'll see, uh, you know, a, a part two of that with Carcillo getting in Gabrick's face again. 
and and wondering what uh, Dan Girardi will do, whether he'll just stand there and watch again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it, again, uh, I don't I don't want to overstate again what his uh, what he's brought to the team, but he's been solid, and I think you know once he gets back, Vigneault won't be afraid to get him in there if they need a spark. Well, with Gary and Gabrick, you know, I was devastated when he got traded. I was a huge Gabrick fan. I still am, and I, I was even going back to when he, you know, came into the league with the Wild. Um, and just to see, you know, what the return on him was and what they got back. And sure, they created depth at the time, but it didn't get them very far. And now to see him thriving under, uh, you know, a system that's more suited for his style. Um, he's getting to play with some better players. And, and of course, he's, he's getting the job done and has, and has pretty much uh, been, you know, along with Dowdy, uh, the sole reason that the Kings are in the position that they're in. And it's going to suck pretty badly if, you know, he's out there scoring, you know, a goal or two goals in game one or game two here against, uh, his old buddy Henrik Lundqvist, and it's going to sting if uh, you know the Kings end up knocking off the Rangers here in the final, and it has to do because he scored five or six goals in this series. Yeah, you know he obviously Gavrik is an elite player in this league when he's healthy, and uh, right now he's he's very healthy and he's uh, filling up the net with, with lots of goals. You know, having said that, you know it's good that he is a former Ranger. I think that. Uh, the, a lot of the players have seen him play. Again, similar to what I was just saying about Carcillo, um, and we could bring about his former teammates. I think the Rangers can bring that with with Gabrick. And, you know, if teams get physical with Gabrick, I think we've seen him sort of, you know, shy away from that type of play. So if the defensemen and, and the forwards can, can, can really get on him, push him around a little bit, get in his face, you know, we may not see the same guy we've seen the first three rounds. So I think that uh, that that'll be a big key to the Rangers trying to stop Gabrick is getting a little physical with him, roughing him up a little bit. Um, because right now, yeah, he's uh, he's on another planet right now with his goal scoring, and and uh, we saw how good he can be. You know, two forty goal seasons with with, with the Rangers and. You know, it's funny, I see a lot of, you know, you sort of forget about all the good times some, some of the players have sometimes. That you see a lot of sort of mixed reviews on Gabrick with his time, and, you know, I see some fans saying, yeah, he wasn't that good when he was here, and, and, and you know, uneven time. Uh, no, he was he was an awesome player. He was, you know, see, a lot of the big-time signings that Caesar makes uh, uh, don't always work out, but, uh, you know, he was he a... Was, uh, had a tremendous time, you know, with the Rangers. And, uh, you know, you're seeing, again, what he can do when he's on top of his game. And he's he's going to be a tough guy to stop. But, uh, you know, the Rangers do have the book on him. You know, if any team does, they, they have the book on him. So I, I think Vigneault will put together and all Samuelson will put together a nice uh, defensive game plan to stop him. Well, with Rick Nash, uh he went through his scoring slums. He bounced back, had a couple goals in the, against the Canadians. But um, as a guy who was once, and, and I believe still can be, uh, you know, when he gets going and, and when he hits one of these hot streaks, uh, one of the best pure goal scorers in the world. And for a video to have him off the power play for so long, and I understand maybe it's because he's a slump. I don't know. I don't think he's trying to punish him because I think he wants him to, you know, achieve success as much as anyone else and wants to get him righted and, and back on track. But he puts him on the power play in uh, game six against the Canadians towards the end of the game. And 
I'm not sure if it's because he decided, you know, the power play has been awful. We need we need a little life. We we should probably put our our most talented uh, our most talented goal scorer on the power play. You know, and it might make sense. Uh, but I mean, I don't know how you start the Stanley Cup file and don't have him on. You know, it, it, I'm not even going to say unit one, but not to have him on either unit. He should definitely be on the first unit. But it's just, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It frustrates me more than anything with his team, and it, and it's almost like an embarrassment that he's not out there when you you're trying guys out there like Stepan who has you know limited actual goal scoring ability unless he's sitting on the far post wide open and someone puts the puck on his tape or guys like Rafael Diaz who you know can't even be in the lineup one game and then the next game he's out there just ripping bombs from the blue line so it doesn't make sense that the Rangers best offensive talent maybe aside from St. Louis isn't even playing on the man advantage. I, it's hard for me at this point to question anything that Vigneault does. I feel like everything he's done up to this point sort of turns the goal for him, you know, whether it's lineup changes, you know, personnel that he's using. Having said that, yeah, I mean, obviously you'd like, you like to have, you know, your best players out on the power play, especially a power play that's been so hit or miss um, this postseason. I think that this is a series where, um, Rick Nash can thrive. Obviously, he's very familiar with the Western Conference, very familiar with the LA Kings. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see him um, getting prominent uh, power play time in this series. And i got to give Nash, you know, a lot of credit. I- I've definitely been, um, you know, uh, as much of a detractor as anyone about, you know, when he wasn't scoring in the playoffs. But he's really sort of bought into the team concept here. He you know, he is doing other things out there other than scoring. I mean, he's doing a fantastic job on the penalty kill. He's been responsible um, defensively. He is getting a ton of shots on goal. His possession stats are, are, you know, at the top of the league. So, you know, he's really sort of bought into, you know, just, you know, getting victories. It's not about individual stats for him. And he just... You know, he just wants to win, and I, you know, I, I respect that. I've, I've, you know, after, you know, seeing a lot of what he, he did in the Canadian series, and listen, finally scoring three goals definitely helps. But, you know, he's been more of a, a complete player, in the playoffs than, than he was in the regular season, and he's done a lot to help this team. Um, so, you know, whether or not he's getting, um a large amount of power play time or the correct amount or the time he deserves, um, he's still going to go out there and, and give, you know, a 100% effort, which, you know, at times there's questioned by Ranger fans, myself included. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he's, whether he's on that power play or getting the minutes or not, he's going to have a huge impact in the series. Well, so far, uh, every round, uh, we've picked the Rangers to win, obviously. I don't think we're going to change things here, even though... Um, this will be the hardest series they've had to play to date, and uh, I don't think, uh, you know, whether it was going to be the Kings or the Blackhawks, it was going to be a tough challenge. I actually thought that they'd fare better if they played the Blackhawks, uh, not because they had the success in the regular season against them, but because of Corey Crawford and that. I don't think, uh, you know, I think Quick will step up and uh, and be the goalie he's been in the past, and especially facing Lundqvist on the other side, I think they'll match each other. But, um, you know, I, I went with Rangers in six. Uh, I'm not overly confident with that prediction. I just um, didn't really feel like I really wanted to watch a game seven because I feel like that would be too much to watch. But uh, it's weird because at this point in the season, you know, the Rangers just getting the Stanley Cup final with this team after where they were early in the season, it, it, it feels solid. And if they lose, you know, 
you know, at least they lost to the Kings, a team that is sort of like the Rangers where they don't really have any scummy, you know, type guys on their team or, or guys you really can hate or, or guys you want to hate. Um, so they're, they're almost like a, you know, a likable enemy to have in this Stanley Cup final. But I'm going to go Rangers in six here. And I know I always, you know, I know we always talk about how they can only win in seven, but maybe their their last series against the Canadians changed that. Yeah, well, I sort of veered off the seven-game pass you know, last series where I said Rangers in five, and I'm going to go back to the seven games. I mean, not only do the Rangers enjoy playing seven games, obviously the Kings do as well. Um, so I, I definitely see this this series going seven. I think a huge key for the Rangers, and, and we haven't mentioned his name, and, and, and I, I don't think he's, so, he's gotten enough credit, um, is Chris Kreider. I mean, since he's been back and, you know, you saw the St. Louis uh, mother passing away, you know, situation being touted as, as what brought this team together and, and got them on this run. But at the same time, Chris Kreider came onto this team, and, and, and while they were in that terrible uh, power play funk, he came back, and, and, and it really got so much better with him in there, having that sort of presence in front of the net. Um, where you were able to, you know, Rick Nash was in front of the net. You were able to get him out of that position where he's just not comfortable. Um, you have a guy, a strong presence in front on the power play, which is so key. I mean, over the years, the Rangers have never sort of had that net presence that they do with Kreider in there. And obviously his speed opens up so much um, for his line mates. Um, I think that he, is, he has been a real force in the playoffs for the Rangers since he's gotten back. Um, from the injury, and I think uh, his speed is going to be huge in this series for the Rangers. So I think that he will be the difference. It'll be a real coming-out party for Kreider, and uh, I think the Rangers win in seven. Well, when you look back at uh, you know NY Rangers blog and, and and putting content on that site every day, and the, you know the thousands of uh, blogs, I can't even imagine how many you've done at this point. Um, you know, now we're here, we are Stanley Cup final. Did you think you'd see this point? And uh, you know, did you think two years ago that they'd get there against the Devils? And and did you think that this team could get there this year? No, <laughs> I think I think. I think Vigneault said it the other day. He'd ask what you were smoking if you said that they would, <laughs> they were going to be at this point. Uh, you know, maybe at the end of 2012, obviously, you still had some good feelings. Hey, we're in the conference finals for the first time since 97. And, you know, let's build on this. Let's bring in some players. But, you know, after last year and, you know, after getting rid of, all, you know, that grit, you know, Dubinsky's and the uh, Fedotankos and the Prusts and, and last year you felt that that element was really missing. Um, and then you bring in Vigneault, who is sort of this nice guy who is giving the team sort of orange slices in between periods, patting them on the back <laughs> after the tough love that Tortorella gave them. And it really wasn't working. And you were like, oh, my goodness, you know, this team really needs a kick in, in the butt. And where is this? Uh, you know, we need a team that's spitting nails. And this team, uh, this team is sort of, you know, skipping through games and, and, uh, you know, jump roping through games and stuff. And, uh, um, it just sort of all came together in, in December, whether it was just they, they sort of finally figured out, um, you know, Vigneault's game plan and his systems, whether it was the Carcillo trade. Um, everything just sort of started to click there in December. I mean, the, the Broussard pool yacht and Zuccarello line really started to click. So offensively, they were really, 
um, got the, got things rolling on that end. Again, we mentioned before, you know, Kevin Klein came on board, solidified that defense, which has been so huge um, to their resurgence after the, the early season struggles. And then, of course, Henrik Lundqvist, who, you know, was, was basically a sieve, you know, early <laughs> in the season where, where you had Ranger fans literally – uh, saying maybe Talbot, it, the Rangers <laughs> should go with Talbot over Lundqvist. I mean, you know, but he signed his contract, which may have been why he was playing so bad. It was just sort of weighing on him because after he signed that contract, it's been the Lundqvist of old. Um, when you have him on your team, you know, you have a chance, you know, every night, whether it's in the regular season or the postseason. And, uh, you know, over the years, he's caught some flack uh, for not sort of putting the team on his back and getting them, you know, to that next level. And and this year he has. I mean, uh, uh, listen, hockey is a team game, and the biggest reason he hasn't been able to put them on his back is because they weren't able to score any goals for him. Um, you know, they finally have the depth and, and the offense to go along with just, you know, the best goaltender in the world right now. And uh, it's been just a, a fun time to be a Ranger fan, to see that trans- transformation of this team, because they weren't a fun team to watch earlier in the year. They weren't an easy team to root for. Now, forget, I, I love this team. This is one of my favorite, you know, Ranger teams. Obviously, it's easy to say they're in the Stanley Cup Finals, <laughs> but, you know, just the, the, you know, just seeing them rise above the adversity, you know, all season. I mean, it's been a tough year between the way everything started on, with the, you know, the, the ridiculous preseason schedule that, that was laid out for them when they were, you know, went out to Western Canada, came back, and then they went back out to start the season with the construction and, and just to get over that, trading away your captain, you know, a 3-1 deficit to the Penguins. It's, it's been fun. It's, uh, you know, a team, a lot of range of fans I've seen do a 180 on this year. Uh, I'm included on that. And, uh, yeah, it's really come out of nowhere as a person who follows the team day in and day out with a blog. I mean, this is it. This is all you ask for. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not, but you almost like, I'm going to shut the blog down after this. What, what else? <laughs> where else is there to, where else is there to go? I mean, I, I you know, I, I usually have a lot to complain about with this team. What, what am I going to complain about over this, <laughs> over the season or, or next year? I, I can't second guess anything Elaine Vigneault does anymore. I can't second guess any moves Sather is making at this point because the depth moves and, and the moves he made have all come up aces for him, whether it's Dominic Moore or, Benoit Pouillard and, and the Klein trade and the Carcillo pickup and Rafael Diaz. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm gonna, it's going to be a complete love fest on my blog next year for this team. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm at the point of almost saying the Rangers shouldn't buy out Richards. I'm like, this guy is amazing now, you know. How can you, how can you buy him out after everything he's done for this team this postseason? I mean, he's turned into sort of the de facto captain, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, you haven't been able to take the smile off my face the last, you know, month or so. And, uh, yeah, just two more weeks and, and hopefully we'll get another, uh, you know, parade down the canyon of heroes. It's, I, I, I wouldn't miss that for the world. Well, uh, it seems almost sad to think that this is it because there's, there's nothing after this series, but I feel like if they can put the Kings on the brink, um, you know, if the Rangers win three three games in this series, have a chance to take it home. We'll have to do another podcast before uh, they have a chance to clinch it. Yeah, absolutely. I, that would that would definitely be fun. We'll, we'll, you know, they obviously, you know, we're obviously the good luck charm, and 
and they'll need the little extra <laughs> um, for, for the clincher because this isn't going to be an easy series. But, uh, you know, we seem to have a little magic here. So, uh, yeah, we should definitely set that up. All right, Kevin, thanks again. And uh, if they don't get to that point, it's been a great year. And uh, thanks for, you know, coming on all the times you came on. And uh, our, our early season email exchange that seems like forever ago now, back before the, the disastrous West Coast road trip started. And uh, I'd just like to say thanks again, and hopefully we get a good final here. And, uh, you know, hopefully the NY Rangers blog doesn't get shut down after next week. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you having me on. It's fun to sit here and, uh, you know, talk Rangers with you and, uh, you know, get it out there to all, all your listeners and, and my readers. It's, it's definitely fun to do. And, uh, yeah, whenever you want me on, man, I'm, I'm here for you.